G'day guys, AOS Coach here, and we have a special little topic, not a traditional talking video, but actually a request that's been coming up pretty frequently of late from Discord, and people have been asking me to really get into the weeds and do a masterclass video when it comes to battle tactics. So myself and Alex Tubb, the, uh, one of the top performing, uh, everyone, look, everyone at the moment on the TSN network can be a top performer. It hasn't been updated for a while, but Alex is probably number one when the data eventually comes through. But Alex and I have been working quite hard behind the scenes, kind of thinking through and working out how to break down a masterclass series when it comes to battle tactics around how do we think about battle tactics? How do we build lists around battle tactics? How do we put ourselves in the best position to score five out of five every game? Deny our opponents, the resources, the tools. So really in this video, if you're someone who is either new to Age of Sigma, trying to work out how to get through battle tactics, someone who's scoring a couple here and there, and you really want to get much more consistent in scoring, or if you just want some new ideas, I think Alex and I, are going to be in a good position to give you some ideas and some thoughts around how we structure and prepare and plan to make the most of the battle tactics in Age of Sigma. But before we get into that, Alex, you want to introduce yourself. I'm going to cough for a second. If it sounds like I'm struggling to talk a little. But Alex, uh, introduce yourself. And people probably have seen you on the channel at least once, if not twice already. You talked big while with me before. And I've done so many videos. I've lost track. Yeah, um, yeah. So I've been playing AOS for three years, coming up soon now. Uh, basically, got into it during lockdown on TTS and ground away there, and then yeah, been pretty heavily in the UK tournament scene for the last eighteen months. Um, so yeah, um, me and you also did that video on on Nurgle when everybody said the house was yeah when yeah the world oh, was on right. fire <laughs> that's right like oh people were so upset with like the great like the great unclean one is the worst and Nurgle is the worst book in the world like I remembered that that was yeah. hilarious yeah exactly yeah that that new book worry um but yeah um mostly play Big War um I've yeah probably had more tournament games with Big War than anybody else um kind of been messing around with OBR and Lumineth and all kinds of stuff recently. Um, but yeah, back back in my happy place with Big Wire at the moment, which is a little ironic to talk about battle tactics because they're probably the army with the easiest battle tactics right now. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, in saying that, yeah. I think we both play a group of armies, so we're well-rounded in regards to we have some armies that are really easy to score our battle tactics. For me, that's Daughters of Cain. But then I've got some armies that aren't so, so so easy and, you know, things like Stormcast, for example, where our book battle tactics are essentially trash and I can completely ignore them. So, you know, and then obviously in the middle is like Suns and I've got, you know, I've got a whole bunch of armies and it's an interesting way to look at the game. And as you look at the General's Handbook, you look at your army, really it comes back to the conversation. How do I score five out of five battle tactics? yeah yeah totally um and yeah just like relying on experience and yeah feel for the game can only get you so far um yeah like there's a there's a lot more kind of minutiae in terms of planning and everything else which is often ignored by the community um which is yeah when you're against yeah other you know like top players or you know players of similar level to yourself that you're just like yeah you just need that little bit of help to get you over the line yeah, so look, let's get into it. And we did prepare some slides and, and the slides really are talking points and to help bring some of the structure and the discussion to life. 
But I thought we'd get started and talk a little bit about why battle tactics and why why is it important, Alex? Like why as a player of Age of Sigmar third edition is this important to me? Yeah, so battle tactics have always been important for all of third edition, uh, because you know, it's ten points of your game. Um, so you know it's you know, roughly, you know, a third of your well, you got it there, thirty-eight percent on a lot of battle plans of, of your points. Uh however, it feels like it's got even more important um with this edition uh with this ghb sorry i should say um because there's a bit of an arms race because the ghb to battle tactics are all a little bit harder um and the, the book tactics are kind of now all out we've had almost all of the new um battle tomes beside flesh eater courts uh, and most of them have like a few either a couple of easy ones or lots of really easy ones so very often if you're not scoring your 10 battle tactics or your 10 points worth of battle tactics in a game um then you're going to lose it's quite simple yeah so maybe i'll just chunk it back slightly okay yeah. so in a game of age of sigmar it's all about points i think we all know this it's a, it's some level there are points to score and the person who scores the most amount of points will win the game makes sense now in general's handbook 2023 as we currently record on average battle plans there are 28 available points to score now some of them that is not quite true some of them there'll be more sometimes there'll be less but on average in most battle plans there is 28 points to score that would be one two more holding objectives that would be three then you would score two points for your um your battle tactic so you times that by five we are looking at 25 points maximum add our three extra points for the grand strategy being scored we are at 28 points available to us so every round if you're looking to win the game and if you are attending a local tournament or a large major tournament um, as you can see on the left hand side the ladder in your position on the the ranking is often determined by the amount of points you score. So the more battle tactics and the more points overall will reward you with a higher ranking. Alex, you wanna add anything to that or anything you wanna clarify at this point? No, I don't think so. Um, I think maybe the only thing, if we yeah, talk about tournament rankings worth mention is sometimes it's done like that. Sometimes it's done with like a differential. Um, so like the difference in points between you and your opponents can also make a difference. So that again, that's still super important. Scoring your tactics, denying their tactics, um, yeah, to create that differential. Yeah, it's a really good point because there's no one standardized way of playing at a tournament. Some tournaments may reward you for denying your opponent. Um, they, they, you know, basic, but basically at its core scoring your battle tactics is one of the keys to victory as long as, as well as holding uh, your objectives and ultimately your grand strategy as well yeah totally the other thing i'd probably call out at this particular point and you know from your experience having a bunch of armies you might want to add to this is that every army in the game is at a different playing field level for their battle tactics some they're super easy some they're super hard some are middle some they basically don't have any because they are an older book or they just don't really work in the current season so not everyone is on a level playing field yeah totally um so yeah i guess like 
talking about specific armies like i've already mentioned big war like you can write a big war or a soul blight list and almost know that it's going to score five tactics um you almost don't have to worry about it there's other armies uh you know maybe something like sylvaneth uh where you need to write a list to score the five tactics but it's still pretty easy and then you might get down to yeah some of the older books or like something like corn um stormcast things like that where you know you're going to be struggling to score five tactics and so you kind of need to think oh actually like if i'm not going to regularly score five tactics how am i going to get the most out of scoring and what's my plan for if i need to beat an opponent who's going to score five tactics yeah and skaven is another example where a lot of your battle tactics are locked to keywords whether it might be <clears throat> you know there's one battle tactic only available for master Moldar. so if you're trying to score battle tactics you need to think about your list construction and what are either some of the units or some of the keywords you need in order to score said battle tactic yeah totally uh and that again yeah comes down to that list building side of it and it's how much you want to build into it you know like for example again talk about skaven there's the uh pestilence uh battle tactic which is yeah get three prayers off in a turn that means you've got to have three pestilence priests and that's up to you to decide whether you think it's worth taking half of your potential hero slots as priests or if you think actually no i can yeah do something else and score battle tactics elsewhere yeah and it's really interesting as well because when you start getting under the surface of your battle tactics whether it be what's in the general's handbook or whether or what it's in your faction uh you'll see there's a bullet point here and we'll definitely elaborate this further some are really easy some can be achieved without even interacting with your opponent some are very hard and they are requiring a super situational thing to happen in the game that may or may not happen or it may be particular matchups and there are some battle tactics that usually are quite achievable but against some opponents it, they become harder or they become easier so what we've found throughout like, in preparation and our discussion around battle tactics is that the it's almost like a traffic light where you'll find that every battle round and every opponent, that level of, of easy, medium or hard will fluctuate throughout the battle. Um, and we've got a couple of examples to share throughout the, throughout the, the video. But um, I think that's what catches a lot of players off is which battle tactic do I use at the right time but also when do i pull the trigger when the moment is there and how do i think about things in advance as opposed to okay it's the start of my battle round what do i pick yeah totally um like yes from a from a player perspective as well if you're yeah if you can have the confidence of knowing okay it's about round two this is the tactic i'm going to go for it takes you five seconds you don't have to think about it like that's amazing Whereas, you know, if I'm looking at my opponent and they're pouring through their book, going through all their cards, like scratching their head, like really like having to put a lot of thought into like how they're going to score a tactic turn two, it's kind of like, you're struggling. Like, I've got you, I've got you. <laughs> um, so even just from a facing, yeah, like how your opponent views you just, yeah, being, yeah, having plans, knowing how these plans might change depending on battle plans and, and opponents, uh, yeah, can make a huge difference. 
So we know battle tactics are important, especially if you are looking to win your games, you're, you want to do the best at a tournament. Now, if you are new to Age of Sigmar and you're learning the game, it might be one of those features that you might put to the side as you learn the game. But as you start playing at tournaments, as you start playing the General's Handbook, it's going to be something that you need to, I don't want to say get good, but you definitely need to start thinking about how you make the most of your battle tactics. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing to mention is it's it's a really, really deep rabbit hole. Like at its surface, like the, the you know, the minimum is knowing what tactics you can score uh, and roughly, you know, having an idea of, yeah, when you might score them in the game. But you could go, you know, to the nth degree and you could have a plan for every single other army in the game, kind of learn their tactics, learn how you're going to switch them off. Like I'm not suggesting you do that. If you have the time, brilliant. Like but that's, you know, for a very small subset of players to do. Uh, and there's a big sliding scale, yeah, between, yeah, one end and the other. Anything else you would you would say around the introduction and just, I guess, the importance of battle tactics? No, I don't think so. I think, yeah, we'll, we'll cover, yeah, cover lots later on. Yeah, the, po the points that I would really reinforce at this point is that um, Alex and I probably don't have a plan for every battle. So when we rock up to the table, it's not like I have my battle tactics from one to five prepared in my head and it's just executing. Very much, it's like a game of chess where as the game goes, you respond to your opponent, you're moving, you're doing things. Um, a situation will arise, you're like, oh, this is going to be good for this battle tactic. Or, oh, actually, I was hoping to score this one, but then my opponent's done something and now this opportunity doesn't exist. So I'm not going to force this battle tactic when actually I might just hold up my sleeve for a little longer. So each game, each faction, each opponent will vary on how we think about our battle tactics. Yeah, of course, for sure. Cool. All right. Yeah. So we got that, we got that, we got that clear. Um, let's get into a little bit around the, I guess the list construction and you were sharing a little earlier with me, Alex, some thoughts around and maybe the journey that you took around understanding and you know, thinking a bit more strategic around your, your battle tactics. Yeah, totally. So um, up to a few months ago, maybe like five, six months ago, um, I didn't really put much thought into battle tactics. Um, I played a lot. Like I probably, you know, play three or four times a week, get to a two day event probably once to twice a month I play a lot but I just relied on you know reps and you know kind of like muscle memory almost uh, but I never like put that thought and planning into battle tactics um and you know I was I, you know I was doing well like I was you know regularly you know, going 4-1 going um but just like felt like I'd almost reached like my cap um and then yeah uh, got kind of put on to planning battle tactics and you know like have yeah having a plan for each battle plan and all that kind of things. And yeah, it just blew my mind. I was like, what, what have I been doing? Um, so yeah, uh, these days, like, you know, firstly in terms of list construction, which is the slide we're at, like, yeah, put a lot, lot more thought into, you know, rather than just, you know, how all the synergies of a list might go together. It's also like, well, how, what battle tactics am I going to score? You know, do I have a, a keyword locked battle tactic that I need to, yeah, bring a specific unit from my army to unlock that book battle tactic or, you know, right, well, I need to score lead into the maelstrom, which is, yeah, charge a hero and charge a unit. Well, currently I've got no heroes that I want to be getting in my, yeah, charging into my opponent. So how am I going to, yeah, allow that to work? 
Um, and then it's also, yeah, like, so having a plan for battle tactics across a game. Um, yeah, knowing when in the, yeah, in the early game, for example, I'm going to want to score magical dominance. We'll talk about this later. Um, and then, you know, turn five, I'll often want to score intimidate the invaders um, just because of the ebb and flow of the game. And then, yeah, something like led, led into the Maelstrom turn three, just as super, yeah, generic examples. Um, yeah, so, but it all starts with list construction. Uh, you need to understand, I mean, and realistically, you need to understand how you're going to score six, seven, eight battle tactics, not just five. Um, because, yeah, you know, if turn one, you've planned to do magical dominance, what happens when you come in against Seraphon turn one, uh, game one, where you... Uh, you can't score. Well, you, it's a massive risk going for magical dominance because Croak has board wide unbinds, and you're like, right, well, I, yeah, he's plus one or plus two to unbind. I've got no pluses, so chances are I'm going to be two points down if I go with plan A. So I need plan B. There's a lot, really. There's a lot of un, lot to unpack there, yeah. and maybe we'll. May, no, 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 it's it's good, right? Because it's it's getting into the head of an experienced player on how they started their journey it's not like we all just have this uh secret source and we know our battle tactics it is a learning process and um getting ahead of the game and thinking through the the ones that you are likely to score will help you before you get to the table you know they often say preparation is the key to success and you know it's not just rocking up to the table looking at your army list and trying to work it out in the flow of the game it starts at list construction, whether it is you've built your 2000 point list and you sit there for five minutes and reflect what are the battle tactics I'm most likely to score with this army list. And every season, obviously, this is going to be different, right? You know, you know we were looking at some, some of the old battle tactics from back in the day. It was like move three monsters in and you score your battle tactic, like ferocious advance. Um, there was things like, you know, have a monster on an objective and don't get it challenged by a monster. So every general's handbook, the value and the the way you build your list to score battle tactics do change quite frequently. But you've got the either, I've got my, my army and what can I score? Or it's reflecting on your army to say, right, well, I really want to score leading to the maelstrom, surround and destroy, intimidate the invaders do i have the tools to score them and if not how do i score them do i need to supplement in a fast unit a cheap unit a throwaway unit a durable unit and you build into the battle tactics that you think that you want to score the most yeah absolutely and i think how much you build into that in your list depends on your army and so you need to understand your army first and foremost as i've already alluded to um yeah big war if you build like any big wire list, it's almost like, oh, I've got five, six, seven tactics that I can score without really having to interact too much with my opponent. So like, yeah, list building to like, yeah, build into some, you know, slightly more obscure uh, tactic, like, you know, maybe like surround and destroy, which, you know, puts you a little bit out on the flanks and not exactly where you want to be. It's like, why? Like, you don't need to do that. Like, that's, you know, battle tactic number 10 when so much else has gone wrong. Uh, whereas, yeah, if we go back to the Skaven example, every single one of their book tactics requires a keyword. So it's like, okay, well, if I don't think I can score five um, GHB tactics, I have to list build into it if I'm going to score my five, um, yeah, five tactics throughout the game. 
So how, how do you build your list with battle tactics? I'll share mine after you share yours, but do you do you build it with specific battle tactics in mind? Or yeah, t- t- tell me your process. Yeah, totally. Um, so in terms of like, yeah, the flow of the game, um, I always want magical dominance turn one. No, no, uh, sorry, oh, list, yeah, list yeah, construction, yeah. like list yeah. construction, like yeah, for sure. So with that, I always want the wizard. Um, so yeah, even if I was like a corn player, I think taking yeah taking a wizard in corn is just like yeah, it just makes sense. Um, and then again, we'll talk about it later. But turn five, almost always like invade intimidating invaders is a tactic that you're almost always going to be able to score. So really, I'm looking to build into three three battle tactics. Um, and so yeah, then it really depends on the quality of the book tactics. So I played a lot with OBR. Um, and they've got their Kavalos Death Rider tactic. So, cool. Super easy. Got a charge with them. Done. Um, on a lot of battle plans, I need a unit of Immortus Guard to score their one. Um, so that's brilliant. So it's... And then I'm only looking for one GHP tactic. Uh, whereas, you know, potentially with some other worse books, it's, yeah, well, I need a hero to score led into the Maelstrom. Uh, or I need a unit with Retreat and Charge to open up Bait and Trap. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's hard because it is a very much a, a depends question. Yeah, so maybe like just to yeah. give you an example of how I construct my lists, just for the folks listening, mm-hmm. I will still build my list thinking about how do I win the game. Do I have you know two to four key damage dealing threats? Do I have something that can hold the back line and can be def- the defensive anvil? Uh, as you might have heard the terminology, you know, I, I look at the the various support pieces and you're right, each faction is going to be different. You know, in my yeah. cities of Sigma, I've got a couple of uh, key units and they're always supported by a hero. If I look at my gits, I've got, you know, uh, I've got power pairs or power trios. My gargans clearly needs no support. They do what they do. Uh, and then every army in between, there's, there's, a, there's a variety, right? I look at my army once I've constructed the 2,000 points, and then I say, how good do I think this will do? Not only just killing my opponent, which is obviously one of the first things that everyone thinks about, is like, how can I do the most amount of damage? Do I have mortal wounds? Do I have rend? Do I have a killy hero? All of the fun things that we like to do. But then it's a refinement process of going, well, can this score battle tactics? And as I look at my general's handbook, as I look at my battle tome, are there ones that I'm probably leaving on the table because I don't have the right tools? And then should I bring in something, maybe pull back on the killy power a little bit, but bring in that that cheap unit of spider riders who can help run up the board, help me score bait and traps, surround and destroy, those types of things that, yeah, they're not the big damage-dealing monster that I, I would love to run, but they're the, they're the smart choice that are going to help me score my tactics and screen and, and do other things yeah exactly i think it's understanding the path to victory that your army has like if you've got a if you're running a smashy um like alpha strike army then maybe worry a little less about tactics you know like often those games are going to be done turn two to three either way um and so you know it's either going to be a big win or big loss um but yeah if you're playing an army where you know you, you know you're going to play the, the whole t- five turns and it's going to be close then knowing you've got those battle tactics nailed down is yeah really important yeah so there's a couple of qualifying questions we've written up so 
first off, King Yurami scored battle tactics early. So turn one, turn two are usually when there might be minimal engagement. Um, Alex, you mentioned earlier about magical dominance in this particular season. Mm -hmm. do, you want to, do you want to explain a little bit more about your thinking around that T1, T2? Yeah. Um, so essentially, in terms of the flow of the game, turn one and turn five are where probably the least stuff's happening. Because turn one, you're miles apart. Turn five, everything's dead normally. Uh, so for those those turns, you're looking at, you know, doing tactics where um, you're having to engage with your opponent as little as possible. Uh, the reason why Magical Dominance turn one is so good is that especially if you've got an army with three or four or five wizards who are buffing your stuff, if you're trying to cast that stuff, you know, maybe turn two or something, and you've just kept one wizard right at the back so you can still score it, you're missing out on loads of buffs, debuffs, damage in what is a more important turn than turn one. Um, so, yeah, ideally, Magical Dominance turn one. Obviously, though, that could not happen. Um, we've mentioned Seraphon already. Also, there's quite big power in taking turn one to deny your opponent Magical Dominance. So you might have set up your little wizard 31 inches away from all your other opponents' heroes or casters, and then they take turn, move into range, and now you're like, ah, yeah, like now, now it's risky, now I can't score it. So having a backup plan is always really good. Surround and destroy, depending on the battle plan, can be very good. You might have a book tactic, or worst case scenario, just, you know, just go down two points early. Um, like I've you know, seen people talk about, um, oh, what happens if you go back down by a battle tactic? It's like, how often do you see games go 28 all? Like, if we're yeah, talking about standard scoring, it's like, it's not that common. Like, there will be an opening later in the game. Uh, you, what you don't want to do is go for some like long bomb, like lead into the maelstrom, which throws you massively out of um, out of your game plan. Yeah, if you are finding yourself in a position where uh, this is probably more in the flow of the game, but if I can't score a turn one battle tactic for whatever reason, or you know, I, I try to do magical dominance in this season and it's unbound for whatever reason, or I fail the cast, I roll a miscast, and there's just nothing I can do about it. It's dice. It just means that if I want to win the game and I want to keep the momentum, I really need to just push on to objectives to score that one, two, or more. So uh, don't leave points on the table. You know, and, and and the same is true. Like if my opponent is dominating the objectives what I can do initially is prepare for the five rounds and make sure I'm still scoring my battle tactics. And hell, if I've lost the game, if I don't have many bodies on the board left and my opponent is dominating the objectives, are there, object are there battle tactics I can keep scoring and at least bridge the gap of the, the points difference between us? So, you know, you're never out of the fight. And especially as we get to the table and you see, you know, your ranking, every battle tactic and every objective is going to count. So fighting for those five rounds is is, is critical. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think it's worth mentioning at this point with, yeah, you would talk about getting points late in the game, but that's, again, why Intimidating Invaders turn five is so good. Um, because if you've only got one unit left, if, you know, if you've been, you know, almost tabled and you, you're able to score that last, yeah, last turn, and that just gets you that two points you need to, you know, go one place higher or, you know, maybe even win if you've scored really big early. Uh, whereas if you've kind of used that early game when perhaps you had something else on, 
uh, you could yeah, you could really kick yourself later on. Or you've lost you've lost your grand strategy because it mm-hmm. was spellcasting Savant and your wizard general is dead. Okay, well, I, if I can just keep scoring my my battle tactics, I'll I will I should be able to get the win or you know bridge the gap so it's not as big of a loss. Um, there's one thing I do want to rewind really quickly on around the T1. Uh, you talked about magical dominance in this season. This also is probably a good time to introduce. This is where battle uh, battalions come into play. You know, if you are a one drop and you know that you're going to be taking the top or bottom of turn one because you get to choose, then setting up in a way to deploy your wizard out of uh, unbind range is much more powerful than if you don't get the determination or the, to, to determine who goes first and who goes second. So you need to have a plan on what happens if I go first, what happens if I go second, you know, is there a wizard to unbind? Uh, maybe I let my opponent cast their spells and I keep the primal dice up my sleeve to make sure I score that that spell or I deploy someone out of range to ensure that I, I get that first battle tactic of magical dominance. Yeah, for sure. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's not exactly on battle tactics, but there's definitely this GHB, a real power in being able to take first turn. Like generally in the past, the, yeah, the prevailing wisdom was you take second and then you're not going to get doubled and maybe you'll get a good double turn um, down the line. Um, with this GHB, with how important magical dominance is turn one, with how tight games are becoming, uh, actually being able to score five points turn one, deny your opponent their battle tactic on their turn one, holds a lot of power as long as you can, yeah, as long as you've list built to, yeah, not be too worried by the double turn. So a couple of rhetorical questions we have, and some of them will be important to you, some of them won't be as important, but a couple of conversation starters as you review your list is, um, you know, can my army score battle tactics in the early game where combat is unlikely because you're advancing up the board? It's very unlikely you'll be in combat in turn one. Yes, there are some situations where you will be in combat turn one, but in most cases you won't be. Uh, to Alex's point, you know, in the late game, a lot of things are dead. So how do I score particular things? Um, and and what, what do I score when there's little interaction or there's not as many troops on the board? And obviously in the mid game when you know in the thick of combat things are dying what what are the good battle tactics to to choose at that particular point there are a couple of other questions you might ask yourself like do you have battle tactics that are locked to specific keywords whether it might be antorian acolytes or locus whether it might be monster or leader whether it might be uh score it with a battle line option uh, a wizard a priest there's a whole range of uh, sub-faction and various ways that some uh, some battle tactics will be locked. So if you want to increase your point, as Alex had mentioned earlier, around you don't want to think about scoring just five, but you want to have a pool of at least seven to ten good options so that when you find yourself in a situation where you can't score a battle tactic, let's say corn you're playing corn and they've got their hex gorgeous skulls up and a couple of blood ties to automatically unbind your spell then maybe holding off magical dominance and having something else would actually be a better choice as opposed to trying to force through and hope for the best you get that spell off because that's what you've planned it around yeah for sure 
couple of other questions you might ask yourself is around which units are best to position to score each battle tactic. So um, will you need to commit a extra command point, a spell, a prayer? Um, we alluded to um, uh, leading to the Maelstrom where you want to have a hero and you want to have a battle line going to combat. If you're running a bunch of squishy five-wound wizard idiots, they're going to die. So maybe you need to think about some tanky, something a bit more durable with an armor saver reward that could could play into that role, or maybe you don't use lead to Maelstrom as much. Yeah, totally. Or it's even just having a, a hero that you're willing to lose because yeah, if you're charging in your you know your buff piece wizard who's you know makes your big hammer way way better, and then you lose him, that that's devastating. Like yes, you scored your tactic, but you've suddenly lost a load of output. Whereas, yeah, if you've just got a cheap little hero that you know, just goes in, fights a bit and dies, you're like, cool. That's its role. Like, like if yeah. your role is to go in, like, for example, I could do that with, let's say, a spider scuttle boss. Scuttle boss, independent little hero, 100 points. It goes in, it charges, it does its thing. If it dies, there's no key command ability or buff or um, thing that it does in my army that I'm now worse for it. I'm just down 100 points but I'm certainly um, up on my battle tactic. Yeah, exactly. Um, the couple of other things is, you know, um, are there units in your book that would improve the um, either the available battle tactics or the likelihood of scoring them? So um, we, we alluded to either some keyword stuff or, um, you know, like I was talking to um, a, a Slaves to Darkness player the other week and we were talking about things like your Harpies just some or your Canary, just little cheap mobile screening units that can go around stealing objectives. Um, you can put them to, to sides of the board and do things around the table to help score you battle tactics and they're not critical to win the game because they're not in combat, they're not super melee, they're not super super damaging. You're not, you're not putting in like your you're not putting a unit of three gore grunters to the to the six inch side of the board just to score battle tactics you really want your gore grunters in the middle dealing damage so you're not losing around a combat there yeah exactly and that comes down to a point cost thing doesn't it like furies are 80 points or whatever so 160 points to score an early tactic and then be a, a pain for the rest of the game like that's amazing value and you know what? There, you, it could be your ally choice. Um, you know, are there allies that you can bring in that could be that, you know, your army might not natively have that cheap screening fast unit or a durable unit, but you sure as hell could have an ally. Um, you know, I talked to uh, an Iron Jaws player, Scooter, and, you know, we we're talking about the value of Scrag right in an Iron Jaws list. You know, be able to do magical supremacy with his magical spell or helping you deny your opponent with magical dominance because of his pluses to unbind. So even if your army isn't natively strong in a particular area, you can look at your allies to fill those those roles. Do you have any, uh, off the top of your head, any allies you like to pull out to help you score? I, I refer to Aetherwings as an example. Very cheap. Um, I don't care if they die. Uh, go score me a couple of battle tactics, and then you've, you've paid for yourself. Yeah, I think the, the two standouts are, yeah, as I mentioned, Furies, like a lot, like Cornlist, for example, which struggle with tactics, run Furies now. Night Encounter is amazing in order, just, yeah, just for that auto unbind. Uh, again, you, you take first, you get him into unbind range of everything, and then you, as, for as long as he's alive, you're just stopping him scoring magical dominance. 
um, which is super, super strong. Um, they feel like the two off the top of my head. I'm sure there's, yeah, plenty of others, though. Yeah, a couple of good examples, and it kind of just reinforces that um, if, if your faction doesn't have those cheap... I, I mentioned Kenerai earlier. You know, taking a unit of Kenerai, they automatically deep strike. You know, they can they can steal a, cu a couple of battle tactics for you while the rest of your army does its thing. Um, it's worth putting in the 100 to 200 points. You know, something like a pregame move, like... Um, your untamed beasts or your um your free guild wild corp wild corp the um they've got a pre-game move you know things like that those those are a good ally choices if you're lacking in a particular area yeah totally uh, and then a couple of other things as well is you know just scoring your battle tactics put your grand strategy at risk we we alluded to running in your hero uh to you know like yeah sure helps you get a um a lead into the maelstrom but was it your general uh is it is it something that you probably need later on maybe uh maybe playing around it could be a better option and then what do you do when you know turn one turn five where there's minimal interaction uh between you and your opponent at least in melee and shooting right a couple of trade pieces here and there yeah yeah for sure Anything else you'd add here when it comes to list construction? I feel like this is pretty robust and at least some early thinking. And obviously, when we get into what does this mean for each of the factions, then it probably unlocks a lot of other questions. But yeah. this is probably early early thinking around how we think of list construction and battle tactics. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, this is just the thing worth reinstating is that, yeah, it depends on the army. Um, sometimes you're going to have to really heavily list build into tactics. Other times you're going to have to just double check and be like cool i'm happy like my list does what it needs to do well the other thing that we you know, um, that works here is um not just what my army does and what my opponent does but also what battle plan we're playing um and you know each battle plan might make things easier or harder to score um do you want to explain this example here on on the screen yeah for sure um so yeah essentially you've got one uh, map uh, with quarter territories, the other one with half territories. Uh, on both, Magical Mayhem uh, are yeah available turn one, um, but Intimidate the Invaders would be super, super hard. Um, or like, not even turn one, just like early game, um, because yeah, the difference between getting your all your uh, half your stuff over um, a quarter of the way up the board versus half the way up the board uh, is huge um and if you were to push that hard early on to get yeah all of your stuff over the right hand um territory you'd just be there waiting for your opponent to absolutely smash you yeah this is really an example here where uh if you, anyone's listened to any of the talking series i'll often ask my 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 guest what are the turn one battle tactics that you'd normally pick and magical mayhem and intimidate the invaders in this particular general's handbook I keep referring to that because if you watch this in 12 months time it will change and you know you'll think about how, how it all works but you'll see with this no man's land uh, in the left hand example it makes intimidate the invaders so much easier to score so even if i was playing against corn or seraphon i can score that easier but on the right hand side you know magical mayhem might be easy against certain opponents but 
intimidate the invaders unless I have incredible speed or I have a lot of deep striking or um, I can summon. Like, it's just not even summon. Like, it's just the, the other side for intimidate the invaders is just so much harder. So maybe intimidate would be turn two or turn three as opposed to turn one. Yeah, totally. And, yeah, there's there's numerous tactics where, yeah, the battle plans affect whether or not you can score them. Like Surround and Destroy, again, on that left-hand um, mission on, on Geomantic Pulse, super easy. You just walk two units on your flanks out a couple of inches and you've scored it. Uh, whereas, again, on that right-hand map, they've got to go, what is it, 10, 11 inches up the board in order to get out of your territory to score surround and destroy um there's also often book tactics um that might rely on you know being in or outside of your territory um and they can massively change how easy they are depending uh, my favorite example of this is in obr you've got one called sculptor's entourage which is to basically have uh your hero and your mortis guard contesting an objective wholly outside your territory now on map the left map that's a gimme like you'll score that every single game without interacting with your opponent it's yeah brilliant on that right hand map maybe you score at turn four or five and then there's other maps like uh the only way is forward where all of the objectives are on the edge of your territory where you can't score it at all and so suddenly that tactic that you bank on you know turn two turn three can become impossible just because of the battle plan and we yeah the idea is you're not caught out when you come into a battle plan you're not familiar with because you've already planned it you've already right that battle plan i can't score that tactic what am i going to do and planning it out can be sitting down and thinking about the sequence like your preferred sequence like in this situation i would like to score these ones and you know it takes repetition it takes time but you can sit down with a piece of paper and kind of map it out some of the best case scenarios but on the right hand side you know my question to everyone is if you were up against corn or seraphon example or some type of really magic heavy army let's say zinch that or they've got the knight encantor there's a stormcast knight encantor list it's hard to get intimidate it's now hard to score magical mayhem um or magical dominance why don't you magical may mayhem oh i think i'm in magical dominance <laughs> anyway like I'm going to edit that in post-production. But, like, if I'm going to have magical dominance, right, I, you know, cast that mystic shield for lols. Um, if I can't do that because there's that auto unbind for the Knight in Cantor, then what's my third choice? Is it surround and destroy? Is it something in my my uh, my book that can can I can help get that scoring in turn one? Or, to your point, do you just not score one? Do you just, like, throw a one away? and then you worry about scoring turn two to five yeah exactly i think that's yeah that's the worry as people yeah get get kind of panicked by not being able to score their tactic and so you know maybe a long bomb led into the maelstrom's on but they have to send a unit and a hero massively up forwards on yeah up the board and throws everything out of position and that actually makes them lose like bigger because yeah the, their entire game plan they've had to just yeah throw into the wind and so yeah just sometimes suck it up and just being like okay i'm down two points where do i go from here and don't freak out i see people freak out when they start when they lose their battle tactic and then they start doing more risky plays in order to try to catch up and actually uh, that can actually be at a detriment to you because you do more errors 
your opponent capitalizes and you just get further down and you just do more risky plays. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and yeah, looping back around, you, you briefly mentioned about planning. Um, like if it's more talking about tournaments, um, but you these days you normally know what battle plans are going to be in play at tournaments. Um, if you if you know that, make a plan. Like before the tournament, just get a little diary and just you know right. Well, geomantic pulse is my game one, so yeah, all these tactics are going to be really really easy. Uh, brilliant. Oh, game two is limited resources. Right, I need to put a bit more thought into how I'm going to score my battle tactics over the course of the game, and then you can just go into that game, yeah, confident knowing that you've got a plan. And obviously, you know, things can go wrong, it doesn't always go to plan, but at least, like, you've got a, a starting point. Yeah, you're not scrambling at the start of the hero phase going, What do I score? And you know, if you are playing at an event with a chess clock, you know, your, your, your time is counting down or you feel like you're under pressure to make uh, an example, uh, uh, a choice, and you just pick the one that's like the first thing that comes to mind where actually it may not have been the best option or an opportunity if you thought about it for a brief second would have shown you actually there's one that um, is really good to strike right now. Uh, seize it while you can. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think, yeah, I talked about the rabbit hole earlier of like, how far you want to go down. But for me, if I know the battle plans for a tournament, I will write down, yeah, games one to five. I will, yeah, have a heading for Geomantic Pulse. I will put a little bit of my gate, my general game plan. So, you know, push, push units a little bit to the left, but play for the middle. And then I will put my five battle tactics that I believe I'm going to score. And, you know, sometimes, you know, turn two and three can be interchangeable. So I might put lead into the maelstrom slash bait and trap and then repeat it for turn uh, turn four. Um, and I'll do that for all five of my games. And then I could just come into that game and I'm like, cool, I have a plan. Um, and then I can put more brain power into how I'm going to beat my opponent, how to stop them from scoring tactics. And it opens up way more. But as I said, you know, that's that requires you wanting and being willing to put a little bit of that time in to do that and you know, not everybody wants to that's fine all, all it takes is five minutes over yeah. a coffee just like right this is this is this is my starting point now it may change throughout the game but it's a starting point and that gives you a, ba a base to work off yeah exactly which kind of leads really nicely into, okay, so I've made my list. Uh, Alex, you and I are playing at a tournament. We look at each other. We've shared lists. We've shaked hands. We've got ourselves a drink. And as we're playing the game, you'll notice that the, 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 the we talked about it earlier, the, the battle tactics become easier or harder, whether it is the opponent that you're facing and the faction or the sub-faction that they're running, the battle plan that you're on. We just showed the example of intimidating invaders and the difference between having a no man's land and taking up literally half the board. But we come up with a bit of a uh, you know trademark proprietary. Uh, we, we've made this up. This is not some official games workshop like traffic light system, uh, but it seems to work in society. So we we kind of thought we'd steal it. And the way we think about it is around well. What are, the, what are the battle tactics that we're most likely to score? And, you know, I'll, I'll let Alex share it off in a second. Yeah, but what, what, what's most easy to score? What are ones that are often scored and, like, sometimes scored? And then what are rarely scored? And you can apply this methodology in any general's handbook, any battle tome, any set of battle tactics, and that allows me to really 
clear my head and plan in advance. What are your thoughts and how do you want to kind of expand upon what I've just shared? Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, it, it, I think firstly, it's it's worth talking about how this traffic light is fluid. Like it's not not set in stone. Um, so what might be a green on one battle plan might be a red on another one or what might be green into one matchup might be red into another. So understanding, yeah, the criteria within this is important. Um, but yeah, in terms of the ebb and flow of a game, I've talked about it a couple of times already, but yeah, turn one and five, the least stuff's happening. Turn two, stuff's starting to happen. Turn three and four, lots is normally happening. Um, so yeah, understanding that having tactics where you don't have to interact with your opponent and then understanding you've got tactics where you need to interact with your opponent and when they're going to happen within the game. Uh, in an ideal world, you, you score five tactics where you don't have to interact with your opponent. And there are armies where that can happen. Um, you know, Soul Blight, Big Wild, I've already talked about, like, you can probably, you know, sit, sit on points, score five tactics, and yeah, score your 28 points. Uh, but most books don't have that. Uh, so then you're having to look into the orange and maybe even into the red. And that's where the planning comes in, because then it's, it doesn't just happen. You've got to set it up, whether it's, you know, the turn before you get your hero in a position to charge for lead into the maelstrom the following turn, whether it's in list building where you're bringing those three pestilence priests or um, whatever else. Like, yeah, you as you go further down, yeah, down the traffic light system, you need to be more planned and more prepped. So, you know, to bring this to life, uh, let's say, for example, we talk about something that's uh, often scored. That could be you often score it uh, because, you know, for example, um, I have a Gloomspite Gits one called Follow the Moon, and Follow the Moon basically is uh, hold objectives and make sure my – is it Moonlight Rate? I think it's Follow the Moon where basically uh, – I've got to control an objective that I think my opponent is control was had controlled, and my army's under the light of the bad moon. So Scragrock once per game can control the moon to either be in the middle of the board or stay in the middle of the board, um, which means that I can set that up very easily. That turn two, I often score follow the moon. It's it's pretty often. There's some situations where it won't happen, but it's pretty often. Yeah. And I think it's worth noting there that, again, when we talk about planning, like if that's your turn two plan, if you haven't but if you haven't planned it, if you risk that four up to move the moon and you roll a one, two or three so the moon stays in the corner, suddenly your turn two battle tactic is off. And if you've not thought about that beforehand, you roll the moon before planning for your tactic. Whereas if you know, OK, I need the moon over the whole board to score my tactic next turn, you use Scragrot's ability and it's easy. Perfect. Spot on. Or it could be, um, you know, like we talked about magical dominance before. Um, we're keeping it generic for, for the folks just because, you know, if we get too, into too much of the weeds of the factions, it won't be relevant to everyone. But magical dominance, for example, cast a spell, it's not unbound, you win. Great. It's often scored. It's pretty rare unless you roll a miscast uh, or you go up against a, a magical defensive army who can shut you down. Um, it's pretty easy to score. But if we go up against Corn and they've got some Blood Tithe or some Hex Gorgeous Skulls up or Seraphons on the board, they've got their board white unbind, that battle tactic goes from an often to a pretty rare one. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, just being aware of yeah how different matchups can affect um, yeah the ease with which tactics is, yeah, is super important and having a plan B, like, 
yeah, it's all very well having yeah magical dominance plan A, but you know game five table one you come against Seraphon, what do you do? Or another example could be bait and trap, another very popular one in this season. But what happens if my opponent has a cron spine or something that stops me from retreating? All of a sudden, what used to be quite easy as a green or an orange becomes a red because I, I just can't. That spell or that cron spine or something is stopping me from doing bait and trap. So I need something else to, to take its place in my uh, five battle rounds. Yeah, exactly. And then it's also being aware that, it, you know, if you still need that battle tactic, it's like, right, well, I need to kill that cron spine before I can score that battle tactic. And then that becomes your priority. It's like, right, like two turns, let's deal with that cron spine. Uh, I've got these, you know, maybe I push intimidate the invaders forwards by a couple of turns, you know, if that's what you absolutely have to do. And then, yeah, it's like, cool, cron spine's dead. Now I can retreat uh, and score bait and trap. It also might mean that, um, you know, if you're doing something like, let's say, for example, leading to the Maelstrom where you've got to keep, um, you know, a unit or a battle line in combat, you might have to save a command point or two up and and not risk battle shock because if that battle line unit was to run away, um, you may actually lose that, um, that, that battle tactic completely because of overkill or you've, you've lost your own troops. Yeah, exactly um yeah being a, again this comes back around to having the plan like if next turn you know you'd like to score bait and trap then you know tag in the corners of some units so that they're in combat and then you're like right well if i if i get the double turn next turn that's an absolutely nailed on tactic uh or you know if you've got a screen having sorry another unit behind that gets pulled into combat so you know that if your opponent charges you they kill the screen you're then pulled into combat and then you can bait and trap next turn. Um, but you can only do these plays if you've got a plan. And another example is as I've got my command points and I've generated command points for the turn, I'll put a command point on, onto the side and I reserve that for like my inspiring presence command. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm using a particular spell, I'll put my primal dice to one side because that is what's going to get me magical mayhem. You know, I'm not going to spend that on getting on other spells. I've planned it so that those resources will help me score particular battle plan uh, particular battle tactics yeah for sure um and yeah you can roll your primal dice before going for magical dominance like if uh, yeah if you want to be like super super safe and super sure like you've you've always got that in your back pocket um it's also worth talking about you know when, when we're talking about you know this green light like there's an argument even that magical dominance could be somewhere you know down the end of it of the green towards the orange just because there are dice involved whereas you know some some armies um like obr has a command trait uh sylvaneth has an artifact which allows them just to autocast uh, and it not be unbound uh and it's like right well then that's absolutely nailed on uh and that's like the brightest of the green tactics uh and just being able to pull that out even against seraphon is brilliant you're right you, you can absolutely build into that you know do you take master of magic command trait to re-roll that spell um do you look for arcane terrain in your territory in order to get the extra boost you know i was just talking to an ogres player this morning the more pot gives them plus one to cast so all of a sudden each army for magical dominance can be easier or harder depending on what tools and resources you have and the risks associated to it so uh, you're right. It's not just purely 
green, orange, and red, there's definitely shades like uh, reprisal is uh, the reddest of red because it rarely happens. And I don't want my general to die because I lose my, my extra command points through the battle rounds. Uh, there's so many things that trigger off a, you know, my, my grand strategy is tied to my, my general. So, you know, I don't want to plan for reprisal, but if it happens, then it might go from red to orange or, or green. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's there's battle, you know, there's there's armies that where you're more likely to have reprisal on than others. Like Seraphon has board wide mortal wounds. So if you've got like a little five wound uh, hero for spellcasting Savant, in all likelihood, turn two, turn three, it's going Croak's going to have killed him. Uh, so then it's knowing like right, well now I've got reprisal on. Like if I can get into that that Seraphon castle, we a go. Um, whereas yeah, obviously there's other games. You've taken that grand strategy because you think you can keep your hero alive. So most of the time you just ignore it. You mentioned earlier about um, you know having a plan, and on the example here on the screen, you know you can see a sequence I had against Corn, right? So to to bring this to life, and I've got some other examples for you. Uh, great game with John, by the way, absolute gentleman of a player. So you know my my opponent uh, John had corn. I was playing my gits. Um, he I, I went first, so I had a window to apply magical dominance, which was amazing. Um, so the hex gorgeous skulls weren't up. The the blood tie weren't happening. So as long as I just cast a spell on myself, um, happy days. Then as the moon, I, I didn't use Scragrot's ability to hold the moon. Um, I, I rolled the dice. And you can see that, unfortunately, I actually didn't get the moon to move into the center. It stayed in the bottom quadrant. So I know that in my game, if it hits the middle, I can go into follow the moon. If I fail it, I can go with stab them in the dark. And I've got like a, a, like a flow chart where I go either A or B. And then I can then, you know, I know that eventually it's going to get into the center so I can apply uh, follow the moon. Then I went intimidate. Then I went magical mayhem and uh you know what i mean like some some of these things were easy to set up as a sequence some of these things were a shot in the dark like magical mayhem trying to kill something in corn and hoping they didn't they, they didn't hit their five up shrug uh or, or i had an, an, enough mortal wounds from a various spell sources that eventually i would get through and i've done enough chip damage that if i get that one mortal wound through the unit died and i uh reduced the risk so there's an example of how that kind of came about. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, again, you can kind of see like the ebb and flow of that game. Like turn one, you yeah didn't do much. So you just called magical dominance. Turns two and three are very much like aggressive tactics. Uh, turn four was, you know, invaders. So, yeah, things are starting to slow down again. And then, yeah, you just had a stab in the dark, probably because not much was happening. So things like led into the maelstrom and bait and trap wasn't on. So you just went for a long bomb tactic, which came off. Yeah, and, and I, I, and I de-risked it in certain ways. Uh, again, this is not me trying to show you how amazing I am. It was more just this is an example of the flow that happened. But against against a completely different army, the, the flow might change or it might stay the same. Um, and once you, you stick to your army and you learn it and you... Um, get really familiar with it you don't have to think about the sequence as much because you've had the repetition to to know what's good and what's not good yeah totally 
Um, so we had a couple of other examples. Um, I might get you to, to share. Uh, is there anything you want to share on this particular example around like this was an example around deployment and how you can start planning through a sequence more than just one battle tactic, but how you can like set up one or multiple battle tactics? Yeah, for sure. Um, so essentially, like, you know, if we're kind of assuming that at base we're doing magical dominance turn one, then all you have to do in deployment is make sure that your wizard is outside of 30. Uh, but then it's planning for turn two. And, you know, it's very, very, it feels very safe and very easy to deploy in a castle, like on the left-hand side. Um, but that only open, leaves you open maybe, you know, if your opponent doesn't offer up any further tactics, that only leaves you with Intimidate the Invaders, um, which, as we talked about, maybe not the ideal tactic for turn two. Whereas with just a little bit of like forethought and planning, uh, you can start with some screens or you know cheap units. In this case, it's the Steel Hounds out on the flanks, and then yeah, you Magical Dominance turn one, turn two you go for um, Surround and Destroy um, because you've got yeah you've you've preset that up. Uh, then you know on this tactic we've talked about you've got an easy Intimidate the Invaders uh, at some point in the game. And then because we're cities, they've got a couple of other easy tactics, uh, you know, walk a command core onto an objective. Like it, it's just super simple. So then suddenly with just a bit of planning in your deployment turn one, you've scored your five tactics potentially. Uh, and it just has that, like, yeah, that flow throughout the game of like, um, yeah, making your life super easy. And, you know, this is a great example of just the tools that we currently have. But what if I was to go back to list construction and keep those steel helms protecting my Fusilier castle and maybe get myself a unit of cavaliers or two, get myself some Aetherwing allies, get myself in something that can go on the flanks and help score those and be cheap while still committing to my castle and protecting my Fusiliers and Hurricanum and uh, all of those other things. So you are trading off the power of your army to score battle tactics, but you are setting things up through this construction deployment and some advanced planning exactly and this comes back to list building you know like i'm not 100 percent familiar with cities yet because i'm still pretending it doesn't exist um next but, week next week <laughs> exactly <laughs> um but like to my knowledge you've got quite a few other easy tactics within the book so maybe building into surround and destroy with those aether wings isn't super necessary you know uh whereas you know for other books building into surround and destroy is yeah really really needed uh, and so again it's just yeah planning list building being aware of what you can and can't score and then going from there i alluded to my gits where uh i run a lot of grots so not little not a lot of squigs not a lot of um trolls a lot of like horde hordes of idiots um so for me to do basically put those grot grots on the flanks like the steel helms is a bad idea and i alluded to earlier you know, playing around with um, spider riders, playing around with some squigs who are fast, they're cheap, they can run up the board, then they can get into the thick of the battle pretty quickly because of their speed um, and they can then pack a punch. But if I do it with my steel helms, I do it with my grots, I do it with some slow moving uh, battle line unit, then it could be out of the game for multiple rounds, just like I've wasted a bunch of troops and relying on the rest of my army to hold up and retain objectives, you know, uh, outright arm wrestle their, their, them in combat and all of the other things, be in range of buffs and support pieces. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think, yeah, again, how much you plan is dependent on your army. Um, yeah, again, come back around to not all armies are the same. You know, some, you know, a vague plan, but, you know, you'll be fine. Others, you need to, yeah, every single turn you need to be thinking ahead. Uh, and then, yeah, you just need to need to almost know that before getting into the into the army, because if you're, yeah, if you don't want to have to think that hard and plan that hard, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it's not an army for you or maybe you've got to set your expectations in a way. Yeah, and uh, like, for example, my Stormcast, for example, I can just deep strike down and I could use Translocate to I'll put some, you know, like, for example, I've got some really good shooting and like long strikes and judicators. So they could be on the flanks, you know, and they're contributing to the game. And if I need to move them around, I have Translocate to pick them up and teleport them around the board. So it's not a big issue. But if I didn't have the teleport and I, I only had slow moving troops, you're right. I need to think these things through. And this is going to be relevant to some people more than others. It just depends on what army you're running, the tools, uh, the units, the combinations. Um, but just think about the, the context and think about the theory and how it applies to your army. Because what we've seen um, is some players will get to the battle round and say, what do I pick? And they're not thinking that that one or two turns ahead. Um, Magical Mayhem is a perfect example where a, a battle tactic, you're unlikely to, to destroy a unit through one round of magic outside of like a, a spike of Horfrost. But if you're chipping away at a unit constantly, by the time that you want to apply Magical Mayhem, you've reduced them to enough damage where that risk is a lot lower. Yeah, for sure. Anything else you'd add here when it comes to planning and thinking ahead? I don't think so, no. Yeah. Uh, a lot of list construction, battle plans. Again, just thinking through, like, what your ideal sequence is. And as we've said earlier, you know, you can sit down right now and start thinking about uh, what are some of those battle tactics you'd likely to score through the five rounds. And it might be multiple. It could be like, cool, well, turn one, I'd likely score this and this. Turn two, likely this and this. Turn three, likely this and this. Yeah, totally. Um, something that came up uh, as we were kind of exploring this is we got a few questions around denying um, your opponent's battle tactics because they're worth points. Uh, some tournaments incentivize you even further through through denial. What's your thoughts and considerations when you think about playing the game and denying your opponent? So as with so much of this conversation, the answer is it depends. Um there's yeah some armies where I will put you know quite a lot of thought into how I might stop their tactics. There's other armies where I'm just like cool, they're scoring their their tactics. I have to beat them on objectives. Um, so yeah, as an example, we'll go into the generic GHB ones in a minute. But if I'm against Corn, I know that I'm not going within eight inches of their altar because that's one of their easy tactics. Um, but when we're talking about in-game them going for these ghb tactics it's yeah it's super useful knowing um your outs so you know this is an after they've chosen to go for their tactic and you're like oh so they've chosen to go for lead into the maelstrom but i might get a really good redeploy uh where the yeah where it depends is you know sometimes you can even before they've had a chance to pick you can try and stop them from scoring tactics. Um, but a lot of books will just have 
three or four options and you just trying to think about how you're going to stop any of those options from happening is just a complete like nah, don't don't bother um whereas once they've picked the tactic which is what we're going to talk about in a minute some of them you've got a good shot at stopping um others just like okay that's probably going to happen so when I go to a tournament, let's say you and I, uh, you know, round round three pairings go up and it's Anthony versus Alex. I look at your list on BCP and I'm like, right, how do I stop the 15 different battle tactics Alex has available in Big War? No, that's not what you're thinking. And it's, and, and it's analysis paralysis and it's completely not worth that. So what we're saying here is don't think about it at that very micro level some of it is worth more than others like some of them are going to be easier as we're about to talk about but denial is something as you're through the game you're thinking how do i stop my opponent as opposed to too much forward thinking yeah exactly uh and it's useful having you know a couple of points for commonly seen armies so you know i've, I've talked about corn with their altar uh like other ones you know OBR is really, really common, and they're really reliant on having their Death Riders charge to score a tactic. So if you just have a little note against that against that army of kill the Death Riders before they get a chance to do the battle tactic, that's now put a massive um, yeah buffer in your opponent's plans. Um, against KO, their battle tactic turn one almost every time. They, they won't deploy on objectives. You'll deploy on objectives, and then all they have to do is start the turn with less, uh, objectives and then end the turn with more. Well, if you deploy off the objectives, then you've denied them that really easy turn one tactic. And like that doesn't take a huge amount of thought. Like that's just like, but it's so so simple, and it can just yeah, you're not stopping every single battle tactic in the KO army, but that's just one point of like, cool. Now they're going to have to think a little bit harder. Um, but there's also some armies where you just like, nah, don't bother like trying to plan that. If, if I haven't played against KO very often or it's not something I'm used to, maybe going into that level of, like, thinking about KO is something that you just have to get repetition and get some mm -hmm. games in. Like, don't – what I'm trying to say to everyone is don't get so overwhelmed about trying to deny, deny your opponent. If I'm thinking about this particular process, I'm thinking about the most common ones from the General's Handbook. Intimidate the Invaders, Magical Dominance, Bait and Trap, Leading to the Maelstrom, Surround and Destroy. They are probably the most common that your opponents will be trying to score. So that's that's true of everyone. So putting a little bit of thought around what you could possibly do to stop them, if anything. Exactly. And yeah, I talked about it earlier. Um, there's power in taking first turn because that stops magical dominance. So if you can build a list that yeah, can take the double turn um, and can yeah turn off your opponent's magical dominance, that's one way that you're denying your opponent potentially a battle tactic straight away. Um, but then there's also being aware that, um, you know, on some battle plans, as we talked about, surround and destroy or uh, invaders might be super easy. So then it's like, well, is it worth it? Um, because they can just score one of these other tactics anyway. Um, so let's go back to magical, magical dominance for a mm -hmm. second. We, we've talked about it a lot in this recording so far. So, you and I are playing, um, and I pick magical dominance at the top of the turn to that's my battle tactic. I want to score it, right? So we've put a couple of examples here on the screen. So what are you thinking? I, I pick magical dominance. We've just finished deployment. I want to cast a spell. What could you possibly do, if anything, to deny me from uh getting that cheap magical dominance? So generally, 
there's nothing you, if your opponent does it right there's nothing you can do they're outside of 30 uh something some things you can do is have a non-casting hero more advanced than your wizards and then you can get heroic willpower uh, if your opponent doesn't necessarily spot that um but you know ultimately if they've done everything right outside of like a few specific interactions that some armies have there's nothing you can really do to stop it you just yeah accept it but yeah if they you know go for magical dominance and you're within 30 inches or whatever you just unload all those primal dice into it like it's worth just yeah going all in trying to stop that tactic from going off i i would challenge you and say that it does it doesn't always uh, it doesn't always uh happen perfectly um the th the theory definitely is the opponent deploys a wizard out of unbind range of 30 and, mm. and that's it sounds like it but the amount of times my opponent has had that intention but because i've had a couple of wizards uh i've got that hero who yeah you put it out to the side but i can use heroic willpower to get an unbind of some capacity uh you, you'd be surprised more often enough the average person will have a wizard within 30 inches to mm -hmm. unbind at the top tables yeah very much you you probably can avoid that um and it's not going to happen but on the average table i think a lot of players and for you for, if you're picking magical dominance it's being specific and deploying something completely in the uh, in the corner and avoiding every 30 inch unbind exactly and you know this is a key time like talk about playing to intent like if you're going for magical dominance just measure it and say to your opponent happy that you've got no unbinds within 30 inches of me and then there's no, no ambiguity it's just like yeah you're good to go uh whereas you know if you measure and you like slightly mismeasure and actually they're like 29 inches away and then you go into the game and your opponent measures you don't really have a leg to stand on it's like uh yeah like you're right i mismeasured that that's my bad yeah so pre yeah pre-measuring and uh, i guess what i'm trying to say here is that in some of these things like magical dominance it is much easier to plan you know if you're worried about that turn one magical dominance you have the ability if you have multiple wizards to spread them out and to maximize how you get within 30 if possible sometimes they won't but being deliberate in your deployment will help uh tapping into heroic willpower and not just automatically trying to generate the extra cp um if you've got primal dice you know reserving them in such a way that you can unbind uh, and even deploying on arcane terrain. So these are some of the things you can do when the situation arises. Now, is it perfect? Is it going to happen 100%? No. But you can think these these things through to try to stop magical dominance. Yeah, totally. And especially, yeah, especially if it's, it, yeah, if it's not happening on that first turn right after deployment where your opponent's deployed outside of 30. Like, yeah, if you, yeah, push up, if you save your primal dice on your turn for your opponent's turn, uh, knowing that, yeah, you're kind of backing them into a corner, uh, then, yeah, you've got a real good chance at shutting it down. Any other examples that you find that are easy or uh, much more much more easier to, to, to try to deny your opponent? Like we talked earlier uh, before we started around uh, redeploy. Redeploy, there's like two battle tactics requiring a charge of some capacity keeping a cp up your sleeve for a redeploy is a great way to try to deny your opponent yeah totally uh also it with led into the maelstrom um they have the the really key thing is one of those units has to be in combat at the end of the combat phase or is it the oh, end of the turn um and so 
actually letting your stuff run to Battleshock. Like, or like the really, really sneaky tactic you can do is you can break coherency. If you've got one model at the back outside of three inches of your opponent, if you break coherency, which by that I mean remove some models so as the whole unit isn't within an inch of itself, of each other model, uh, then when it comes to the Battleshock phase, you just lift up all that unit, bar that one model at the back, and then suddenly that unit is not no longer within three inches. Um, but yeah, that's like kind of a, not high level play, but one that requires like quite a bit of thought. But yeah, just letting stuff run to Battleshock, doing pile-ins so as you can, you might pile away from, from that unit. Like, like Legend of the Maelstrom is a, actually quite a tricky one, like both in terms of, yeah, you planning it to score it. Um, the way I'll often do it is I'll charge one unit and then I'll 2.9 inch another unit just with the very edge of my unit. So I know if I kill that unit I'm charging, I'm still tagged to that neighboring unit and so i'm not going to fail it um so yeah uh that's one that I, I often find gets messed up surround and destroy as well so i started this ghb playing obr and it's a very very tight castle so i never scored surround and destroy because i couldn't put the resources off to the side and then i went back to playing some other armies the first few games i failed surround and destroy every time because i just i forgot they had to be within six inches of the table edge like I was so focused on getting them outside of my territory and on the flank, I forgot about the holy within six inches of the territory. Um, so just like knowing where you might go wrong with things, like, yeah, it's really, really good. The other call that I would make is um, there are some that are just not worth your attempt, right? Like to try to d deny your opponent doing intimidate the invaders, it's very, very niche. Like if my army is like Squigs or Iron Jaws or some type of super fast army, yeah, I can run up the board and put pressure and stop you from getting out of your territory. Uh, surround and destroy, same thing. I could put the pressure on the flanks and make it harder for you. But in a lot of situations, it's probably not worth trying to deny your opponent surround and destroy or intimidate. Um, unless you have particular armies and particular situations you might find better off magical dominance magical mayhem bait and trap leading to the maelstrom are probably ones that are more likely for you to to deny when the situation arises yeah exactly um and i think even then like most commonly battle tactics are failed due to mistakes by the person selecting them but whether it's choosing the wrong tactic at the wrong time or yeah, just making a mistake in the setup of it. I think it's actually, yeah, short of, you know, that big six on a redeploy, like it's quite, you know, you can do your bit, you know, finest hour to stop your unit from dying or whatever else. But yeah, more often than not, it's probably actually your opponent making a mistake. Yeah, and there's definitely things you can do. Depend, mm -hmm. like, you know, some some ba battle tome, battle tactics, that's a mouthful, mm -hmm. um, might be like kill the thing. And, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, applying the finest hour, applying rally, you know, issuing all that defense, you know, any debuffs you possibly can to increase the survivability of said unit. But to your point as well, if it is um, uh, stay in combat or some type of survivability thing, then actually letting them run to Battleshock actually could be the right place. So uh, where, where instinctively you want to apply the inspiring presence. So um there are options it's just how much are you willing to commit to this and what's the impacts throughout the entire game so uh, 
it, there's no easy answer. I think I think we've kind of given you ideas, but there's a lot of gray. Exactly. As, yeah, it, it depends, doesn't it? Like, I think the things that you can do is, yeah, planning is, yeah, have an idea of like how you might stop your opponent from doing what they want to do, uh, knowing the things that might go wrong um, for you and, yeah, making sure that you don't fall into those traps. Um, but then, yeah, after that, you know, it will depend matchup to matchup, game to game, battle plan to battle plan. And again, think about this in the context of your army. Um, and if you're thinking about how do I score my maximum uh, battle tactics, think about, you know, what are the risks associated to scoring mine? And, you know, it might take a little bit of time and it might be, you know, go to, to a math hammer site and think about, you know, how much damage a unit can um, to, can take or can deal out. And understanding... Um, the, the numbers you can expect from a unit would give you a better idea. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, with leading to the Maelstrom, maybe you need to split your attacks to make sure that you are still in combat within three inches and um, you don't completely destroy the unit. Uh, there's so, or, or you don't maximum pile in and you just tag a unit, do some damage, but you don't uh, do all of your attacks and you haven't piled in completely. There's a lot of things to consider. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and yeah having thought about this beforehand allows you to be able to do it in game because it's the first time you've thought of you know tagging a unit 2.9 inches or not piling in all the way so you don't do all the attacks if the first time you're thinking about it is in the game it's probably too late you're probably like oh i could have done that damn it yeah yeah really really good point again pre-planning thinking um and you know one of the one of the things that we we talked a lot about as well is um, the tools and the resources available to you. Um, how do you how do you track and how do you do you have any resources that you you use to kind of help you through your games or your planning or your um, you know your, your interactions in in on the tabletop? Yeah, so as mentioned, I've got a bit of a diary that I take to a game um, or to a tournament generally. So uh, yeah, basically for that, it will be if I know the the. the the five games i'll have the five game or the five battle plans written out with the five or you know maybe it'll be seven um tactics that i've got written out but the turns that i'm likely to score those tactics um and if i don't know that then you know maybe you know the best thing is to have have it written out for all whatever it is 12 battle plans or just you know like pick out the ones that are specific to you um like you might find specifically difficult so like limited resources which we talked about because of the half and half territories make some of the tactics harder so maybe i'll put a bit more thought into that um so that's kind of what i'll come into the game with but then i'll yeah i'll use the tabletop battles app to actually track my um my battle my battle tactics as i go because yeah once you're once you're in into the game once you've say selected magical dominance then turn two when i'm looking to select magical dominance is no longer an option in the app so i can kind of yeah very easily see what i've got left yeah the good so that um so the couple of ones that we have on screen but by no means is this the only option so uh goonhammer has a wonderful app called tabletop battles it's available both on apple and android what I love about it is if I'm at a tournament, it can connect up to VCP and uh, I can basically download my matchup. So um, if I'm up against Corn or Sylvaneth or whatever, um, I can have my games ready to go. And uh, as we're going through the game, it, let's say it's, you know, Gits versus Seraphon, um, 
it'll have the Seraphon battle tactics and we can track them throughout the game, which is great. So I can see what's available, what's not available. And as you saw in the last example, which was me versus John, you'll see the, the flow of the game, what was scored, what wasn't scored. If there was some bonus points, like, you know, I killed an Antorian locust on, a, on an objective. And at the end of the game, it's super transparent for me and my opponent on not just the points, but actually what was scored when and, you know, if there's any questions or challenges, we can go through it pretty easily. Yeah, for sure. I think the, the only thing to be aware of, which I've had with the app, is that I've occasionally forgotten to tick that I've scored a tactic or something, uh, or my opponent has, and then I've thought the points are different going into turn five than they have been. So just be really hot on it. <laughs> that's that's a user error. Not, yeah, yeah, totally. not a, that's a user totally. error, not an app error. So yeah. we'll, um, a couple of other ones is uh, Dork Dom Gaming. Uh, I've, I personally own this, but there are other erasable um general's handbook score sheets so um you know you can help go go to like your local stationery store and buy a little uh whiteboard you know like a razorable whiteboard you know mark it all up um very very cheap uh, uh, i do enjoy my dog uh dom gaming um one because it also can tie into my particular battle tactics i know uh pro painted has one as well you can get some acrylic ones so um they are very helpful um, what I'm actually got in my hand, I uh, I love. Um, so these are uh, the printable battle tactic cards that are available on the AOS Shorts website. It's all free. Um, and what I love about it is I just bought some cheap Magic the Gathering um, like card sleeves, went to my local library, printed the cards off, cut them up, and um, it allows me to play with them like it's a, a game of poker so I can see what's available, what's not available, and um, you know, in my hand as well, like prioritize and shift the ones that I'm going to score and what I'm not going to score. Yeah, totally. The the last one as well is even just having like a principal score sheet. So uh, weirdknobs.com um, has one up, a color and a, a non-colored one. Um, so you can just have like a, a printed visual or as Alex has said as well, just a, a notepad, like, um, like just there's so many ways for you to track. I think um, if you buy the Games Workshop uh, War Scroll cards, they often have battle tactics. Your General's Handbook will often have little card cards you can play as well. So any visual aids can be helpful to, to know what you've got available to you. Yeah, for sure. And just having having something like, yeah, not having to, you know, commit it to memory or, yeah, go back into your battle tome and leaf through and then go back into your GHB and leaf through. Like, yeah, just having... Yeah, having something is so, so good. And that's literally what I see. I see people go, right, it's my turn. What's my battle tactic? Then they open up the general's handbook. They have a look what's on the page. And then they look and like, oh, what did I score? And sometimes they'll go, oh, I'm going to do this. You're like, no, dude, you already scored that two two rounds ago. And like, oh, okay. So again, having a, a, whatever works for you, I guess, you know, none of these are the the, the silver bullet, but I personally use the um, the – the Goonhammer Tabletop Battles app. I also use the Dork Dom Gaming and the the cards as well. So actually, I use all of them. I actually, it depends on the situation. Yeah. These are all my personal recommendations. Tubbs, anything else you want to say at this particular point? I do have a couple of questions from Discord, but how are you feeling? And do you think we've given everyone uh, enough of an idea of how to start thinking about uh, your battle tactics? thinking about them more strategically, planning ahead, whether it is through the list construction, whether it is 
through the battle plan selection, whether it is planning in advance, maybe sitting down over a coffee and thinking about what can I score and how easy is it and when to score it. Anything that's kind of coming to mind that we haven't had a chance to acknowledge yet? No, I don't think so. I think it's just like you, like people also, you know more than what you think you know. Like subconsciously, a lot of what we've covered today, you're already doing in your brain. Like you already understand. It's just like having it out in front of you in black and white. Um, and then, yeah, you yourself putting that into practice, into your planning. Uh, yeah, it's just like it makes a massive difference. And then when you're in game, not having to think about this stuff, you know, a, a five game tournament where every single game you're having to really think about those tactics uh, versus a five game tournament where that's all nailed on and you're thinking about your game plan and everything else. Uh, it just, yeah, the mental load is going to be really, really different. But yeah. Yeah. Planning planning this out, you, you've made a really good point, is that planning this out allows me to stay in the game and be more strategic and worry less about what battle tactics I'm scoring, but more about how do I, again, score those five points maximum between battle tactics and objectives? How do I respond to my opponent? How do I, like, you're very much in the game and you're not worried about these small little things and You'll, you'll notice on the top tables, people just like pick the battle tactic really quickly. They know what their heroic action is going to be. They know what their monstrous rampage is because of deliberate practice. And they know what they need and what they're focused on through the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like we've all been there where we've had like a really, really tough game, like especially if it's, you know, the last game of the day or whatever. And like your brain is just done. Like, and then, you know, you come into turn four, turn five. And I, I've lost games where... I've chosen the wrong tactic turn four or five because I've just been like scrabbling. Like it's, yeah, it's hard. And if, yeah, again, whatever you can do to yeah reduce that. And that's where, that's where the cards for me really help because then I can mm. visually see really quickly, but Hey, whatever works for you. A um, couple of burning questions I have from discord, if we're ready, ready to mm -hmm. go. Uh, so more talk of disease pizza saying um, at what point do you think it's worth discarding your battle tactics? to gain an advantage on the board um like pr pretty commonly yes is the answer i'd say it's worth doing um but if your battle tactic that you need to do is at odds with what you need to do to win the game then drop the tactic um i think the only time where that might yeah be up for debate is if you know that your opponent is going to score max points on the next two turns and it's a draw or something like that and you're like right well i have to score every single point as well in order to get the win so i've got to risk it um but generally speaking like your game plan comes first it's no good scoring 10 points on your battle tactics if you've only scored one objective a turn for your entire game like yeah it's a good call out like you know are you in a position where you have dominance on the objectives and you're scoring one two more and if that's the case, then yeah, if you're if you you don't if you can't score your battle tactic, but you're scoring one two more, then you're at least still going up by three. Um, what you don't want to do is to um, change your battle plan, uh, so your, your tactics, uh, force yourself in a position to score your battle tactic, but then you lose out on the objectives. You might get double turned, and then your opponent has seized more board space. He's been able to kill, deny and you've made yourself in one move a much up, harder uphill battle 
yeah exactly uh you know like another little example might be uh you've gone for magical dominance with your general who is also your grand strategy uh and you've rolled a one on one of the dices and you yeah primal dice or not it's like no just just drop it like to, as i said earlier on sorry uh like it's very very rare that a game will go to 28 28 uh like you know we make mistakes like battle tactics get dropped you might not score on objectives like yeah you can make the grounds up elsewhere no I, I, you actually made a really good comment so um there's been plenty of times where i've picked magical mayhem as my uh battle tactic knowing it's a risk but i've got a couple of sources right you know scragrock can do mortal wounds Hallfrost can do mortal wounds i've got a couple of other spells so i've got enough mortal wound spells to do magical mayhem but let's say scragrock rolls a one and I'm, I'm gonna fail the spell do i put primal magic dice in and risk a primal miscast for me, I'll, I'll, as soon as I see a one on a, an original spell cast, I'm out. So I would rather lose Magical Mayhem or try to get other sources of mortal wounds from other spells and risk that, then try to force the situation and risk Scragrot or risk one of my, my, my spellcasting savant wizard and risk the grand strategy and risk the spell casts and the other things that would have happened through the game. Now, if it's turn four or turn five, as you saw in the example with corn, sure, I'll risk it. But come turn one to turn three, it's usually not worth the risk. Yeah, exactly. It's more of like a yeah, like a last resort hail mary, which is ideally a situation you want to avoid. Goes back to the traffic lights, red, amber, and green. Early game, I don't want to risk magical mayhem. Late game, yeah, sure. If I've got the lead and it's a comfortable lead, I can risk it. If it's if it's neck and neck and we're quite tied, maybe maybe it's not worth the risk. Mm -hmm, for sure. Uh, Manfred more more Mortark saying uh, battle tactics. How much is too much to commit to scoring a battle tactic, particularly movement based tactics? And that's a really good example, right? You know, there's a couple like bait and bait and trap um, leading to the maelstrom. Do I rush out really quickly in turn one, turn two, and risk risk it? Um, what are your thoughts yeah in so yeah in terms of movement base like we've, we've talked about list building around like surround and destroy and stuff so you can kind of commit stuff there um but it, again it's you know does you rushing up into your opponent's face charging when you shouldn't be charging let's say to score led into the maelstrom you know does that how does that aid you or does it hinder you and you know again if it's if it's going to be a super super close game and you need to yeah sit on those objectives and stop your opponent from getting onto the objectives then maybe you just yeah be like okay can't score two points or yeah i go some other way um yeah it's 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 it depends isn't it it's it's such a hard one because it depends on the situation within each game and the score and where we are in the game well, give me give me some examples where because uh, we can't just say like yeah yeah, depends. yeah. <laughs> that's like the worst yeah. master class they're like yeah. oh it just it just depends yeah um yeah so like if you've got a couple of fast move like a fast moving hero and some fast moving units score led into the maelstrom if you were sending them you know 12 14 inches ahead of um like the rest of your units to try and score led into the maelstrom because it's the only thing you had on you're because they're unsupported you're you're losing them probably with because they're probably hitting screens uh so you're losing them without really gaining anything like yes you're scoring your tactic but you've lost them and now the rest of your army is kind of open to being punched back. Uh, so in that situation, I'd say, yeah, you just sit, 
and you wait and you be defensive. Um, yeah. Or, you know, some other considerations to your point around, mm. it depends, you know, putting on a mystic shield helps to de-risk the situation, uh, keeping uh, your hero's finest hour up your sleeve. So if you lose a priority or if your opponent then comes at you, you you've got another survivability mechanic. So um, I think there is a point where you can't commit too much. I think it ultimately comes back to what we talked about earlier, which is what's your grand strategy, what's your overall game plan, uh, what are the tools you need to to win this particular battle, and um, you don't want to overcommit too early because then you will just lose gas through the five rounds. Yeah, I guess a good good example actually is uh, intimidate the invaders. Like sometimes people will go for that like turns two or three and just push everything out of their deployment zone way too early. Uh, and just giving yeah a really easy chance for your opponent to come in and hit you. Um, like that's yeah, I, I think really heavily before yeah committing to that so early in the game. Well, you saw in my example, I scored it in turn four because that was where I thought naturally my game is advancing, but it's a very slow advance with my gits. Uh, so don't burn it, don't rush them up too quickly. Uh, it was better off holding it for turn four, turn five, where there's less interaction and it was already complementing my game style. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, on on invaders, like I would always hold it into like as late into the game as possible. Like, yeah, sure. If turn three or four, I've got nothing else on, I'll do it. But like turn five, like if it's a close game, and you know you you're trying to scrape like the odd point here or there. If you've just got a nailed on battle tactic that you can do, and then focus on scoring one, two more, and you know scoring or denying a grand strategy, then yeah, that's just perfect. It's like the old desecrate their lands, if you remember mm-hmm. that one. Just like have a terrain feature and sit on it. But that was yeah. that was a good example in turn one if you had nothing. But more importantly, turn four or turn five when there was very little left, desecrate their lands was perfect. Yeah. Oh man, I missed that one. The terrain <laughs> feature, I miss it. Like, I miss that one. That was such a good one. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's worth mentioning actually because we've talked about the old tactics a few times. I think planning's more important this GHB with the tactics being harder like in the old ghbs you could kind of get away with just like yeah you know make it especially that first ghb like you could just yeah make it up as you went along and you'd be fine um whereas now with things being harder you know needing to line more things up uh yeah that planning just gets a bit more important talking about this general's handbook as well one of the benefits to this planning is that this is a 12-month season. So unlike the previous where it was six months, and by the time you learned what was working for your army, half the battle tactics had changed. Remember, there was like four that were set, four that would rotate. Um, You've now got a good base. So everything you work on is going to serve you well until like June, July next year. So putting the reps in will just, you'll get a lot of value from from this, this planning and thought process. For sure. Uh, Tweaked Synth asking, um, oh no, we skipped that one. Um, uh, We already answered that one. Uh, So Skaven Spawn saying, uh, how do you plan for your battle tactics in game? How much do your list dictate the battle tank scoring? Uh, What do you think is important? Look, I think we've kind of gone through a lot of this and it's going to come down to how we think about our list, what our army is going to be. Um, we've talked about the value of having uh, thoughts around battle tactics in your list construction uh, and also the, each battle plan. Like each battle plan varies so much, especially around 
the way you score an objective, whether the zones and if there's no man's land or if it's a, uh, a straight area. Um, Mojo ha Hamster asking though, how do you come back from behind if you score a battle tactic? Do you just focus on winning on the primaries and denying your your battle your opponent's battle tactics? Um, the answer I, I, I think is uh, if you have the chance of denying your opponent's battle tactics, you level the playing field. But just keeping focus and not having the pressure on you, I think I've just seen too many people freak out when they score, lose a battle tactic and then they just get too risky and it was backfires. It backfires exponentially. Yeah, totally. I think everybody makes mistakes. Even the yeah, the best players in the world, they make mistakes. They make smaller mistakes than everybody else. But like, if you can just be patient, do everything well, there'll be an opening. Like it's yeah, you dropping a, a battle tactic isn't game. Like there's a, there'll be other options. And and more than that, like it's a dice game. The mm. amount of times where you know a redeploy is hit a six. And it's made a charge impossible. Actually, there's a good example. There's another good example I see often. People will uh, advance their models up the board to make a charge easier um, when actually they were like, I don't know, five or six inches where if they just sat there and rolled the likelihood with a re-roll, they would have hit the charge without the movement and not triggered the redeploy. So, um, but sometimes dice are dice. You roll the miscast. You you know uh, statistically rolling double one on two d six is pretty low, but it happens. Rolling a six on a redeploy, it happens. So sometimes that's just how the cookie crumbles. You just got to adapt and and just keep working through. Don't freak out. Exactly. Yeah. Don't get triggered by dice. Like dice are dice. Like just yeah. Focus on what you're doing. Yeah. Don't don't watch the dice and be like oh they're they're against me today. Like. Just try and do your thing. I think it's also anticipating um, the expectation, like the amount of people I see trying to deep strike and then try to hit a nine-inch charge. Like you look at the dice statistically, the the probability is like 25%. But most people go, yeah, I can hit a nine-inch charge. Even with a re-roll, it still works out to be 50%. And they're like, oh, well, I just failed my battle tactic. Well, what if you took two of those units and you increase those odds? Are there other units that might have a plus one to your charge? Is there other things you could do to, again, reduce the risk? Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, the less you have to rely on dice, the better. Um, so an, anything you can do to just, yeah, make the game, yeah, happen. Yeah, what, how you want it to happen, not being reliant on dice is, yeah, super good. The last two questions is... How viable is denying battle tactics when your opponent has an army book full of good ones? Yeah, no, but that that's where it comes down to mistakes. Like you don't plan for that. Uh, you just, yeah, if they, if they go for a tactic and you see a way of stopping it, then you go for it. But yeah, in terms of in the planning, no, you just focus on, yeah, doing your thing and yeah, holding them off on objectives and that kind of thing. Agreed. Control what you can control. If you just get their, their rules out and you're looking at every different situation and how do I stop this from happening, you're just going to stretch yourself too thin and you're going to lose focus on controlling objectives and your opponent's going to pick you apart. Like, I think there's a point where you just, you just got to let it happen. If the situation occurs where you can rally, you can, uh, you can shut them down through various you know, in-game mechanics, great, do it. But I wouldn't build a whole strategy around it and, uh, yeah, control only so much. Exactly. 
Final one from Manfred would be, uh, when can or should you stop caring about beating your opponents uh, in battle and focus on points? Uh, I mean, by that, does he mean if you've lost and you're just trying to score as many points as possible? I mean, I mean, I, <laughs> obviously, I can't uh, paraphrase yeah. what the question is, but I think that's a good example, right, is um, when you realise that the game is lost, clawing as many um, battle tactics, trying to deny your opponent their grand strategy uh, can be your victory condition. Yeah, you can't win the game, but you now have a new objective, and that is stop your opponent from, you know, be super spiteful and go for their... If they're, like, spellcasting Savant, like, put everything and try to go kill that wizard. Uh, if it's, like, you know, uh, have, you know, models in each quad quadrant and don't have unit on X... Just like spread your army out, spend points on rally. Just try to like deny that grand strategy. You know, deny the, the the remaining battle tactics and score as many as you can. There is that point where controlling objectives is well and truly lost. Yeah, totally. And that's why you're trying to be, abuse the fact that it's a dice game by getting the the dice to spike massively your way. Um, but yeah, um, ultimately, like especially in a tournament environment, like points do matter. You know, like. It, like, normally in the UK anyway we use uh, differential um, so like every point that you can deny of your opponents and every point of yours you can score will affect potentially where you're going to end up in the final standing so yeah um, in terms of when it's yeah it, it's it's hard to know but I guess yeah when you know that you know you're maybe five maybe more than that points behind in like the mid game and you don't see any way you yeah loosening the stranglehold you're like right i'm just going to play for points now and yeah do whatever i can it is funny though i do see a few people it's happened plenty of times i'm sure it's happened to you as well where the person has been self-defeated in like turn two or turn three and they almost want to concede and you're like no no let's play this out like you're actually not as bad as you think it is and the game is closer at the end than they realize like oh yeah no i actually wasn't so bad sometimes we live in our own heads and we think the game is over we're actually again having the mindset of just fighting for every point doing the best you can and you know what if you think you've lost the game you've got nothing to lose so why not just play it out yeah you'll still learn exactly um yeah i've got a few guys that i, that I play with quite a lot and oh, gareth who's one of your uh patreons um play with him a lot and he was awful for it we'd get to like turn two and he'd just be like i've lost haven't i, I was like what are you talking about no like play like play on um because yeah worst case scenario you learn stuff about your army uh or you know actually it's not as bad as you think yeah there's been plenty of times where it's not as bad as you think and again going back to list construction what can i do what can i do that's not interactive with my opponent we talked intimidate we talked magical dominance there's a bunch of things but thinking about what are my what are my tactics and what can I add into my list that could score me uh, should I find myself in an unwinnable situation? Exactly. And like play to your outs. Like I had a, a really funny game against Corn last week and I basically tabled my opponent turn three and he summoned a boom thurster, made the nine inch charge, and then got three booms on the boom thurster wound roll, and then rolled like two sixes on his damage and did like 40 damage to my army in a single turn or something mad like that like it wasn't enough but it's like he played to his outs like <laughs> and sometimes it breaks for you and like that was like he had one model left at the start of his turn three he had a hero he could summon off of like yeah mad things happen in this game 
yeah, and it is a dice game, and that's why you know it, it, you're never truly out and play it out as much as you can. But mm-hmm. I think we've given everyone enough. Um, I think we could talk a lot. We want to talk two hours. Holy shite. Um, that's a lot. And like, I think, you know, to summarize maybe what we've talked about here, um, a lot of this stuff is already in your head. There's this unconscious competence and there's conscious competence. It's about being deliberate with what you do. You probably already know what you need to do. It's just sitting down, putting it into practice, discussing it, Obviously, you know, uh, uh, Tubbs and I are both in my Discord, Surprise of the Century. You know, you've got you've got these communities where you can say, hey, I'm really struggling with my turn one or my turn five, or when I'm in a particular battle plan, I'm in the ice fields, I don't know how to score in turn three, or I'm having challenges when I'm against a particular army. You know, really having conversations and, and finding out what other people's flows are. Hell, get people to send you their Goonhammer map uh, around you know what their their sequence was you could you could start early borrowing from other people and getting an idea of why they do what they do so uh, if you're early in your process leverage others if you are someone who's been playing for a while and you're looking to improve to score more than two or three sit down and become more deliberate against uh your opposition your battle plans or at least construction yeah ex- exactly yeah like and just yeah, start at the very basic level. Yeah, you know, understanding when when's best to score what battle tactics, uh, and yeah, having a having a plan for that. You know, then you can you know go into list building and figure out how like your list affects what tactics you could score. Then you can go into battle plans, and then you can go into like looking at actually your opponents and what tactics are theirs you might be able to deny. Um, but yeah, you know, all of that requires yeah time and yeah wanting to do that. And so wherever you fall on that yeah on that scale is like super fine cool any final comments or thoughts or we'll wrap this up no i don't think so it's a lot of discussion on battle tactics something (laughs) that is just inherently in the game and when you sit down and get really deliberate you can talk for two hours about battle tactics as a topic i wonder how long a grand strategy topic we for 10 minutes that's probably that's probably a really quick one but yeah take spell spell casting savant and succeed yeah <laughs> yeah and just don't just don't leave leave your wizard open for kato to come destroy it like yeah. i did i just sat there like oh my, my fungal cave shaman can't be targeted outside of 12 yeah flying kato just come and like stab him in the face and I'm like, oh, why <laughs> I for that. sure tubs where, where can people find you if they want to talk more about age sigma maybe you know big war battle tactics like I, I know you're clearly in my discord uh anywhere else on the socials yeah i am on twitter i need to find out uh yeah alex tub seven on twitter um or yeah in in coaches discord i'm generally potting around in there yeah occasionally occasionally yeah uh, more than that uh mate this has been awesome uh thank you so much uh i hope everyone enjoyed the uh the, the discussion it's a little different if uh you did please let us know like comment you know the dealio if you find value in the masterclass series and there are other masterclasses you like so so far we've done one on uh deployment this is one on battle tactics if there are other topics that you really need help unpacking or you think is worth value of a video that's not grand strategies we're not doing one on grand strats but if there's something in there in in the series that you think is valuable do leave it in the comment section and let me know we're always curious to hear what you would love to hear more about and uh how it can add value to to your journey of, of becoming a great player but 
Alex, thank you so much for your time. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed it. Again, like, subscribe, you know the dealio here. And uh, until next time, uh, score five out of five battle tactics and don't run a problem miscast when you're trying to do a spellcasting one. Just roll sixes. Just just roll just roll nothing but sixes. It's uh I also I still dice there. No, they they're not cocked, I swear. <laughs> Alright. See you guys. Thanks yeah. everyone. Bye. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. Now, if you did, I would love it if you press like on the video as well as left me a comment with your thoughts. The conversation will continue over on Discord and the link is down below in the episode description. I also want to give a massive shout out to the AOS Coach patrons and YouTube members who are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you are all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a double one on a spellcast.